The Guardian. Welcome to Media Talk, I'm Matt Wells. This week, the bloodbath at Channel 5. Richard Desmond begins his cost-cutting plans by axing seven members of his board. Who's next? Also in the podcast, as Channel 4 looks for disabled presenters to front its Paralympics coverage, we hear from journalist Benjamin Cohen about being on screen with MS. I did say to a quite senior producer, just after I got the diagnosis, I might end up in a wheelchair. I mean, I'm assuming I'd still be on screen, and they didn't really know how to react. It really brought it home, the aesthetics of television. Plus, the one show's new gruesome twosome gets set for their debut, and... Why didn't I think of it? Because you're an idiot. This is my friend, John Watson. Friend? Colleague. That's how you get your kicks, isn't it? You risk your life to prove you're clever. The name's Sherlock Holmes and the address is 221B Baker Street. Sherlock signs off with a bang and the BBC confirms he'll be back with a second series. Elementary, my dear listeners. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Hello, everybody. Now, uh, one listener commenting on last week's show urged us to cut the campery and loviness, particularly at the start of the programme. Uh, now, I've listened back, and even with uh, Brookie in the presenter's chair, I don't think things were any gayer than usual. Uh, still, let me introduce the panel without resorting to smut or double entendre. John Plunkett is the Media Guardian's radio correspondent, and uh, Whisper It, he's also the media monkey, too, in his spare time. Um, you had some late-night drama with a locksmith, I understand, this week. Uh, yeah, got locked out, uh, unfortunately, yes. Uh, so we had to, um, uh, it was about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So I did put a call into my uh, my landlord, who's called Gary. Yes. Uh, so I dialed up Gary on the mobile phone, but unfortunately, uh, and he answered, I said, hi, Gary, sorry, we're locked out in St Albans, come and help us. And uh, his reply was, John, this is Gary Farrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I can help you. Top celebrity <laughs> But PR. do you need a comment? So I, <laughs> I got a no comment from, uh, right. from Jonathan Ross on my, my domestic arrangements and eventually got in for uh, just £115. Bargain. Yeah. Uh, also here and making his debut as a fully-fledged member of the pod squad, it's Josh Halliday, The Guardian's new media and technology reporter. Uh, last time you were on this podcast, Josh, you were a student. Um, any regrets about becoming a professional journalist or does the enormous salary and you know, reasonable hours make make it all worthwhile. Oh, it's all worthwhile, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, hoping to make my hat trick on the Media Talk podcast next week. Well, we'll see. Hello, Mum. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, less of that. We'll be hearing from Channel Four News' technology correspondent Benjamin Cohn about uh, being a TV reporter with multiple sclerosis a little later on. But first, let's start with the grisly goings on over at Channel Five. Media Talk with Matt Wells on Guardian.co.uk. Well, who'd have thought it? Richard Desmond, the new owner of Channel 5 and a businessman who's rather fond of cutting costs and reducing headcounts, has started wielding the axe. Seven directors, including programming chief Richard Wolfe, were cut from Five's board this week. Dawn Airy, the chief executive, went as well, as Dirty Des looked to shave some 20 million from the company's outgoings. And never mind the goings-on in the boardroom, around a quarter of the broadcaster's 300 employees can also expect to be shown the door. Uh, But should we be surprised by these cuts, and what sort of channel is Desmond shaping as a result. We spoke to a number of former five big cheeses, but this being August, they were either all in Devon, Tuscany or the south of France, or just unwilling to go on the record. Fortunately, our very own Maggie Brown was only too happy to share her thoughts. Channel 5 being subsumed into a very different media empire, one driven by an entrepreneurial single figure, Richard Desmond, and it's going to be losing, really, a lot of the kind of the structure that we've perhaps wrongly come to associate with a quasi-public service broadcaster. So, for example, it doesn't actually need a director of corporate strategy or business development or its own human resources or company secretary. All of these executive roles, or the majority of them, 
uh, are going to actually be taken over by Desmond's own company. Interestingly, the two senior people who will survive uh, are the, the the director of sales, the advertising team, who are going to have their work really cut out, satisfying Desmond over the next few months and year. We now know that there'll be a new director of programs, Jeff Ford, who is really an expert in buying up films and uh, spotting the potential of uh, of new American series, who's been uh, handed the job of running the programs. Extraordinary, but uh, but true. So uh, what does this tell us, or do you think, about the type of broadcaster that Channel 5 will be from now on? Because it strikes me that it's a move away from, as you were saying, a sort of general interest, public service, broad genre channel that it had been in the past. Well, we know that Desmond does um, appreciate news of some sort. We might call it tabloid news, and it's certainly going to be celebrity-driven driven news. But um, after he bought the channel, he um, popped up on Live at Studio 5, their, their early evening show, uh, which is made by Sky. So uh, uh, news is going to remain, and that's, of course, one of the uh, key uh, measures of, of whether you're a public serv- service channel or not. Um, we, we clearly are going to see... Uh, much more attempts at crossing, crossover that, it, that, it, that, that, that the Desmond Empire of OK and other magazines and, and the Express and the Star um, will be able to perhaps build up um, stars on TV and then transfer them across into television. Uh, we know that he's really interested in taking on uh, Big Brother when Channel 4 withdraws from the current series now. Uh, it it uh, is clear, really, that he also likes what we would call perhaps factual entertainment, these kind of people-led, personality-driven shows. Whether he's going to actually change some of the key drivers, I mean, the, the, the point about Jeff Ford is that you have these, the, the major reason people in numbers visit Channel 5 at the moment are things like CSI, the Crime Scenes Investigation series which um you know spawn miami you name it um and uh they, they do have these two kind of housewife soaps neighbors and home and away which um, are clearly going to remain as well uh it's it's all the other stuff really that the, i don't know whether the hotel inspector for example uh, the gadget show um whether these documentary kind of uh, driven history, etc., which have had had a place they thought whether they survive. I, it, it looks probably very doubtful. I don't know. Also, I, I'd, I would. I, I haven't been able to find out yet if Milkshake, its very well regarded children's strand in the mornings, uh, which has things like Peppa Pig, uh, is going to continue. That's been a, a, a major public service jewel of, of Channel Five and uh, has distinguished it very clearly from ITV's disengagement with kids. So. Um, that that is still not clear. Um, I, I hope it's going to survive, but I don't know. Um, and in terms of the people who are leaving, uh, I mean, it's a quarter of the staff which had already been cut uh, substantially in the, in the last year. There's generally, uh, and, and a lot of, as you say, executives, including Dawn Airy, the chief executive, there's not usually, I guess, that much public sympathy for a boardroom curl, is there? But there's a lot, a lot of ordinary people are, are, are going to be out of a job. I think it's terribly sad. I myself have been through something like this when David Montgomery bought or took over really control of running the independent. And these are very, very bloody things uh, to live through, especially because Channel 5 has created quite a distinctive culture for itself. It did see itself when it began as, as quite um, lean and collegiate. You know, people sat together on a couple of floors. And I think there's been a sort of a false kind of sense of 
um, security isn't quite the right word, but I think that when RTL and Gerhard Zeiler brought back Dawn Airy, who was the founding uh, director of programs two years ago from ITV, I think a lot of people there thought, well, he's giving it our best shot. We've got somebody who really knows us back in and believes in Channel 5 back in control. It will somehow be all right. So despite the uh, heavy cuts they took um, over a year ago, there was, I think, a sense of guarded optimism that there was a core spirit there and people knew what Channel 5 was about. Now, in fact, it was a false um, security because Channel 5 cannot survive um, as a standalone channel with just 8% share of the advertising market. It, it really is too small and it is too poor to, to, to actually go on being living in the way it was. It was going to go bust if it stayed as it was. Maggie Brown there. Well, uh, Josh Halliday and John Plunkett are with me in the, in the studio. John, uh, I guess it was inevitable that, uh, that this would happen, but uh, pretty bloody nevertheless. It was, yes. Um, a CSI Covent Garden, you could say, <laughs> yes. is, is, their new, is their new spin-off show. But it, 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 it was indeed. And as, as Maggie said, there's a lot of sympathy goes out to people that, um, uh, at five. Because uh, I think because it's quite a small broadcaster and because people tend to stay there a long time, it's almost sort of a family atmosphere there that maybe you don't get in other, in other broadcasters mm. over doing it. But... Um, and uh, you know the really the heart's been torn out of it, but I think it, it had to happen because the fire's been been drifting uh, for for several years now, uh, ever since it, it got left behind a bit in the digital era when it was slow launching its two digital channels, which it then rebranded, which are now Fiverr and Five USA. Um, but uh, you know, in a world of FreeSat and Freeview, uh, it's kind of role and its its purpose just isn't there. Uh, and it wasn't there for very long when it launched in in ninety seven. Now I mean, that everyone's got multi channel, Josh, it's quite an old fashioned channel in in the digital age of lots and lots of different channels. It feels quite you know it, it's not quite one thing or another, is it? Yeah, I mean when it when it went through the rebranding phase in in two thousand and two, it was it was uh, determined to not be the fifth channel. And as well as these, as well as these awful cuts that Desmond's brought in, there's also the rebranding. They're going back to we are now called Channel Five, as yeah. we were pre 2002. Which I mean, Back to the Future, and it's 20 million pounds is going into his print publications to promote this new, uh, to promote this new dawn at, ch- at Five or Channel Five. Whatever well, we're, we're allowed yes. to call it. Well, because uh, we all just got used to calling it Five. Well, just about, yeah. I mean, since that rebrand, it never looked forward, did it? I mean, it was uh, no one ever really. Called it five. Uh, I thought that was a, a crazy idea. The Favourite? fifth channel. Can we just call it the yeah. fifth channel? Favourite channel five shows, Josh? Neighbours. Neighbours? No, no, no. Well, well yeah, neighbours. Yeah, it's, it's the student in you, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, yeah, still. Is that still going? <laughs> uh, CSI? CSI, I've seen it once. I did like it, actually, but it clearly didn't hook me. I used to enjoy Flash Forward. <laughs> it's miserable, yeah. uh, miserable climax. Is that not still on? Uh, no, it's, it's uh, got cancelled. CSI's been doing good this week. Yeah, it, it trumped um, it trumped shooting stars on on the, earlier this week in the ratings, which was a bit of a turn up for the books as well as Mitchell and Webb. But yeah. the problem with five is it's never got that kind of homegrown. It's never really got a decent homegrown hit. Uh, yeah, I guess the Hotel Inspector and it gets it gets some sort of uh, extraordinary body documentaries. Is that five? Um, but don't apart from that, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing, which has gradually been shunted uh, uh, earlier and earlier in the Sunday schedule. Please. I think it's on before midday now. Please don't. Please stop. don't stop believing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. All right, we'll come back to television later in the show. But for now, if you want to give us your feedback on this, you'll find the blog at guardian.co.uk/slash/media-talk. Uh, now it's August and there's not much uh, news around, so our news and brief section is uh, a little light on the light side. Uh, but let's start with things on the radio, John. Uh, Five Live is trying something new and unsporty at, uh, at the weekend. Yes, they've got a, they've got a new weekend uh, evening lineup. Uh, this is part of a, 
uh, ongoing kind of evolution, I suppose, uh, under its uh, controller, Adrian Van Claveren. Uh, and what it essentially is axed the weekend news, right. uh, which has been going on for a long time now. And uh, Matthew Bannister used to present it uh, in the day, back in the day. Now it's John, John Pino, one of the co-hosts. But he's losing that. And on Sunday night instead, we're getting a, a new investigative program hosted by uh, Adrian Goldberg, who you might know he used to be on uh, yeah, TalkSport. And uh, he knocks about the Midlands, doesn't he? Adrian? He does indeed. He was breakfast presenter on uh, Radio WM, yeah. yeah. So he's their new kind of Donald McIntyre, who used to do a, an investigative show. Which um, but passed me by. Uh, did it? Did it? Yes, it uh, passed me by too. Um, and John Pienaar hosting a, a new politics show on Sunday night, and they've got a new business program with uh, Declan Curry, who I, I quite uh, quite appreciate his work uh, on the Sunday night too. But we've still got Saturday's uh, Saturday schedule to come. But I mean, there's lots of there's lots of space to be filled there because in the in the new season they've lost a third of their live Premier League matches. Well, yeah, and also Sunday night's a bit funny, isn't it, for Five Live because it's a news and sports station, and there's not usually much news and precious little sport around on a Sunday night. Yeah, the weekend news always felt like there wasn't, as you say, not a lot of news on, and it didn't really feel like it had a lot of energy, and it was always a slightly strange um, uh, gear change, I suppose, from, uh, from you know, 6.06, uh, straight into a, a weekend news. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you've been covering a story this week about, um, well, it's, uh, the BBC's been rather careless with its gadgets. Well, yeah, it was £240,000 on lost Blackberries and, and laptops over the past two years. Um but for an organisation, and this is worldwide as well. This is not just uh, right. UK, and it incorporates BBC worldwide. So, so, so this is the money two hundred and forty thousand pounds that the BBC spent replacing people's lost blackberries. Yeah, well, it hasn't spent spent it replacing. Oh, that's uh, that's the value the, of the lost. Yeah, that's the value. Uh, but, but I mean, for an organisation with twenty thousand, twenty thirty thousand somewhere uh, worldwide staff, I mean, it's not it's not too. Not too careful. You're being very kind. Now, Josh, you yeah. must have to learn that on this podcast, we're not kind to the big, we're not <laughs> kind to anyone, are we? You've got to uh, uh, wield the knife. Um, it, so do we know who, uh, who, who's lost their Blackberries in particular? No, no just... names. Uh, it was an FOI request. I mean, it, it's, it's absolutely fantastic to receive a full, full frank response to an FOI request to the BBC. I mean, they, Is this unusual? Yeah, they, they get out of a lot of FOI requests pointing to the, the, the journalism aspect of it because of their extraordinary places are uh, a public broadcaster. Yeah, they've got an exemption for, is it journalism, art? Yeah, journalism, art and literature. Pretty much it? anything that's related to its creative output. Yeah. I mean, so they could have probably wriggled out of this one as well, but you got it's, it's better than nothing. I don't know if 240,000, is it good or bad? We need a control yes. uh, to find out what the average organisation in the space of two years would spend on lost equipment. I'm pretty good with mine. I've still, are you, are, how are you with, your, with mobile phones? And- uh, I'm good, I'm good, yeah. I understand one of your, the Media Talk recording devices was lost at uh, an awards due a couple of years ago by a man formerly of this parish yeah, who hosted the show last week. Is that right? He's, uh, he's, 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 he's no longer on the payroll. Uh, <laughs> Unrelated. Uh, yeah, now listen, um, Josh, you've also been covering a dispute between Sky, Sky and Skype. Yeah, this, this, this came to light in a, an initial public offering filed by Skype. And it turns out that for five years, Sky have been chasing Skype because Skype have been trying to uh, launch trademarks or file file uh, trademarks in the area of television, uh, which is also news. Sky say that Skype's bubble logo is too similar to, to Sky. Well, their name so, is quite similar as well. Yeah, so, so stay away from uh, our television sets. Uh, I, don't, I don't see how it's... Because the Skype logo, this is the... Um, Appear to be a yeah. uh, voice telephony, telephony, internet telephony, internet telephony yeah. uh, people. For those who uh, don't know, um, uh, they have a sort of it's a bit of big S in a sort of blue bubble, isn't yeah. it? That's nothing like Sky. Well, maybe. well, in, f- in fact, um, they won last month. Sky won a, an EU trademark ruling, but uh, which ruled in favour of Sky chasing down Skype. That said that yes, 
consumers could get uh, misled or confused by uh, by the two by the two uh, brand uh, logos. And this was on the back of some consumer research, apparently, by Sky that worked in its further. Right, well, well, there we are. Um, our uh, Twitter mob story of the week is something that we couldn't squeeze into last week's programme. It's a dispute between Claire Balding, uh, the BBC sports presenter, and the Sunday Times. A.A. Um, Gill called her a dyke on a bike. She complained to the editor, John Witherow. He replied that she should accept occasionally being made the butt of jokes. Uh, he said in her in his letter to her, in my view, some members of the gay community need to stop regarding themselves as having special victim status and behave like other, any other sensible group that is accepted by society. Jeremy Clarkson, perhaps the epitome of the heterosexual male, is constantly jeered at for his dress sense, brackets lack of, adolescent mindset and hairstyle. Uh, Claire Balding, uh, John, was not very, very happy about this, was she? Uh, yes, yeah, she, she hit back on Twitter uh, and said... Uh, um, and she, well, she said on, on Twitter, I don't mind being referred to as a lesbian, I am for God's sake, but don't use it as a stick to, to beat me with, and went on to complain to, to Witherow, saying, when the day comes that people stop resigning from high office, being disowned by their families, getting beaten up, and in some instances committing suicide because of the sexuality, you may have a point. Uh, and I think she does have a point, actually. I, 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 I sided with uh, Claire Balding on this one, yeah. Mm. I thought it was a bit of generally yeah, an unpleasant, unpleasant phrase and a well, nasty call. Funny enough, I, it was a bit unpleasant and nasty, but... I don't know. You see, I thought it was... Well, lots of people are unpleasant and nasty all the time in in the papers, and, you know, that's the, that's the way the papers are. It wasn't, I don't think, any more or less unpleasant and nasty than quite a lot of other stuff. And the the, the line was, it was, quite, it was quite a good, it was quite a good line, I thought. What, the collapse and events? Yes. Oh, no, or just the, the no, line no, in, no, in the first the, place. The, the, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't think it... I, maybe I'm being, you know, I don't It's know. not the first time he's, he's gone for uh, yeah. Claire Ball. I mean, so... She's, I think she's got a right to feel a little bit aggrieved. Um, I think maybe the problem is that the BBC's lowered or raised the bar. I can't think, work out which by apologising when Eamon Holmes complained about being called fat on uh, the yeah, uh, John Coulter show. Um, uh, Josh, it was, a, it was a kind of a Twitter thing, wasn't it, again? So another lefty liberal cause gets a lot of play on Twitter, support on Twitter. Yeah, I'm not sure whether Stephen Fry fully threw his weight behind this one. But yeah, it, it was all through Twitter and uh, as many of these things are nowadays, involving the PCC, which is keeping close eyes on Twitter these days, I've heard. Yes, you're right. But, um, they, uh, they, they have had, because interestingly, journalists like you know, all of us, actually, you're Twitter, are you on the Twitter? I am indeed, yeah, John Plunkett 149. Yep. Um, uh, you know, uh, you could argue that a lot of what we publish is journalistic and it's published as uh, as our you know on on behalf of the papers that that the publications that, that we work for so the pcc is apparently you know in, interested in what some people are watch this space yeah watch, watch this, space. this space all right okay we will now finally two big tv stories sherlock now fans josh yes i did i did like it i was absolutely infuriated by the ending though why did the bbc do this they did it with the silence a couple of weeks ago it's just a non-ending nothing happened yeah i've invested a few hours, a significant proportion. <laughs> a few hours. A, 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 a it's a large proportion of Josh's life. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you've worked all day and you're looking forward to going home and watching it, watching yeah. a bit of Sherlock or The Silence, I mean, it's, it's a big, big part of your life. It's an hour and a half, Josh. Yeah, it's, you know. don't, don't just cut us off like that. No, I, but it's I, coming back. It was a bit spooks. The ending, John. You, I, I, I know you're not. Uh, you didn't watch it, but we were all left hanging. And we didn't know what the, what the, what the result was. So it's on my planner, but but yeah, so is, so is the wonders of the solar system for about the last eighteen months. So I, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ever going to get around to it. And now the, now the second one is this. Hello, welcome to the One Show. I'm Jason Manford. I'm Alex Jones. No, hold on, that's wrong, isn't it? I think I say your name and then you say my name. Oh yeah, right. 
She's Alex Jones. He's Jason Manford. Is that it? Uh, we get it right on Monday, won't we? Yeah. yeah. Jason and Alex make themselves at home on The One Show. Starts Monday night, live from 7 on BBC One and the BBC HD channel. They do sound very regional, at least. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's all part of these equality measures. Yeah, absolutely. It's ha- happy to be here. Good. Um, uh, are you, are you, will you be tuning in? It's, it'll be fascinating to see how it works out. Um, no, it won't be. It won't, <laughs> no, it will. I, as I said that. I, as I, long as they keep Giles Brandreth. Yes, it's very important that they keep Giles Brandreth. And uh, by the way, but I tell you, on on their web page, they have they have they haven't updated the uh, website yet. They haven't, so it's still me, Adrian, and the other one. Yeah. Uh, but Christine Blakely. That's right. Uh, it looks nothing like the new one. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Well, I think it will be fascinating. I mean, because the BBC, I mean, you look at what Jay Hunt did to uh, Strictly Come Dancing. She gave that a bit of a shake which wasn't entirely successful. Uh, she gave um, Watchdog. Yeah, it was successful, you mean? It wasn't. I don't think it was successful, oh, right, was it? No, no, you're right. Not quite been the same since. Uh, she did try the same with Watchdog and with Anne Robinson, but that wasn't. That misfired a bit. And now we're. Third time uh, lucky, perhaps. Well, maybe, yeah, but you know, got a hugely successful show, uh, and they lost their. Um, uh, lost their two presenters, uh, you know, one in predictable circumstances, the other maybe less so. So, uh, I mean, the pressure's on to get it right. And, of course, we've got Chris Evans to come, which will be very exciting, on a, on a Friday. Yeah. And that'll be the first time he's done, uh, first time he's done a, a regular primetime show on one of the main channels. So uh, yeah, that'll be really who's interesting he, to see who, Who's going to be presenting with him? Uh, well, uh, it was not even sure he's going to get a co-host. He, he might fly solo, right. apparently. It's an hour show as well, so it's not... It will be now, yeah, that's right. So it's TFI Friday on BBC One. It's just just TFI Friday, isn't it? Any host a national uh, breakfast show. (laughs) What? How's it going to work out? What could go wrong? Finally this week, you may have read that having secured the broadcasting rights to the 2012 Paralympics, Channel 4 is now looking for presenters with disabilities to front its coverage of the events. Channel 4 has said that it'll invest half a million pounds to find and train the new on-screen talent. And aside from the 150 hours of live games coverage that happens in 2012, uh, a new show, a 10-part series, The Paralympic Show, will start at the end of this month. Now, this being Channel 4, you can expect to see features like uh, Pimp My Wheelchair, while Jordan's cross-dressing husband and celebrity big brother winner Alex Reed will try his hand at various Paralympic sports too. Uh, all of this is true. Uh, sounds interesting. Well, Channel 4 News' technology correspondent, Benjamin Cohen, has multiple sclerosis. It makes him one of the few disabled people on screen on British television. He came into the Media Talk studio earlier and told us that he welcomes Channel 4's plans. I think it's a really interesting and exciting idea to try and get uh, some more disabled uh, presenters uh, doing a, a programme that could be quite mainstream um, and, uh, and getting more people in because it is quite difficult to really get profile as a disabled uh, journalist and there are just so few of us around. Yeah, well, we'll come on to your experiences in a minute, but um, uh, there is, a, I guess, a suggestion or a possibility that this is a ghettoising thing because it's about the Paralympics and will it be, it'll be all right to have di- disabled presenters presenting stuff about disabled sports, but what we should really be addressing is disabled presenters in the mainstream. Uh, that was my initial fear when I when I, when I first read about this. There is the lead-up to the Paralympics with the, the, the elements on a T4, things like mm. Pimp My Wheelchair, um, <laughs> which, which may well get disability issues out, out to the fore a bit more. But I think that you have to have an opportunity for, for someone to, to come onto, onto television. And I'd hope that if they manage to find a handful of new disabled presenters that 
you know, maybe are presenting a, a niche program about disabled sport, that they might shine through. They're right. given the chance and then they can maybe break into the mainstream. In reality, it would be fantastic if, you know, Channel 4 News had loads more disabled mm. uh, reporters and, you know, you know light entertainment programmes, T4, etc. had more. But, you know, this is a really good opportunity and a really good potentially use of Channel 4's public service uh, Right. Well, your experience is interesting because you were taken on at Channel 4 News as a technology correspondent and you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis a few months after yes. afterwards. Do you, do you think you'd have been hired if they knew? Um, I told them that I might have MS because I'd had an MS-like attack in the past. and I mean, they didn't even bat an eye when I said that. Um, I think that hiring someone with MS in, in many ways is actually more difficult than a, than some other disabilities so say someone who's wheelchair based because of the unpredictability so at the moment I'm kind of on light duties because I'm having difficulties with my hands that will improve over time and then I might have difficulties with my sight and then I might be fine and it, it, it keeps changing because it's a really fluctuating condition I think that it's much easier to get potentially to to employ someone who's just got something that they're always going to have wrong with them every day and i think that's something that probably employers don't really think about that much do you think that 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 channel 4 had channel 4 news had even thought about the the implications when you said that you uh, had had ms did they have really any idea about what the implications would be i did say to a quite senior producer just after i got the diagnosis um i might end up in a wheelchair i mean i'm assuming i'd still be on screen and they didn't really know how to react to her, oh. and it was all mm, maybe you think about yeah. it. And, was that uh, surprising? Yeah, I mean, because I think it's, it really made brought it home the aesthetics of television, and I think that's that's one of the issues. And and there has been you know a number of occasions, be it when my hands have been shaking involuntarily, and viewers have complained because they said that it's distracting, or when I had difficulties with my sight and had to wear an eye patch, where we've had to think about not necessarily what's in. I would say, like, my best interest as a disabled person, we're having to think about how the viewer responds and can the important and complicated story that we're trying to explain, and, if, you know, frankly, if you're trying to explain a complicated technology story to a granny, mm. having someone's hands waving you know, all over the place can be a distraction well, that's and can make journalism difficult. It's interesting that you say that because, because I, I, I guess maybe disabled campaigning purists might say well you know you've just you've, it's got to be accepted and it should be accepted i think it should 100 percent, it should yeah. but it's television yeah. and it's you know it's glitz and glamour and it and it's and it's got to look right i think that someone in a wheelchair that i can't see what the issue would be at all and, the, you're and, just and there's been the issue of frank garden at the bbc who was wheelchair banned and i think you know I, I don't know if you agree but i think that has changed perceptions amongst viewers hasn't yeah it? but i mean he's sitting in a wheelchair he'd be sitting in a chair yeah. so maybe when he's doing a if he would have been doing a, a stand up by a wall and at the times when he has been in a wheelchair he's not that's the only difference and you might have to have different camera angles but it's it's not that hard i think when you've got other sorts of disabilities very visual disabilities it, that's potentially where the problems start to arise but then children's bbc have you know have had a, a presenter with you know, quite physical deformity and that hasn't really caused that much of an issue after you know, a few complaints from parents at the beginning what's your kind of prognosis now I mean, how how will how will things develop for, for you professionally do you think um i think it's always difficult i worry personally about 
at, at whatever time it is that I might decide to move on from Channel 4 mm. News, that any employer, particularly in the media, particularly in television news, would think twice about employing me because you just don't know. When, when, when Channel 4 News send me off on location, the news editor has to think in the back of their mind, well, whams if Ben gets ill, or what, what do we do then? We can't plan. You know, you send me off to Las Vegas to cover a technology conference, buy my tickets, and then I might just say, well, sorry, I'm not well enough to do it. So I, I worry really, really strongly about my ability to get a job somewhere else. I think, obviously, when you're working somewhere, you're protected. But you know, however strong anti-discrimination laws are, when you're sitting in front of an interview, people can give you all sorts of reasons why you're not getting the job. And I'm not sure they wouldn't necessarily say it's because it's, it's you've got a disability, but I'm sure it's a real barrier to anyone with a fluctuating disability that they might encounter. One issue which, which I was thinking of in relation to you is that, because as you were saying, your disability is not always ob- obvious, how open you are with the viewers and how, how, how can you tell them that, that, it, that you're, you're not just some odd person, that, it, that, it's, that these are physical you know, issues that you have? Well, this is a really big issue and it was the big issue we discussed when I appeared at work with an eye patch is we can't really, they said we can't really, John Snow can't suddenly say, well over to Ben Cohen he's wearing an eye patch because he's, he's got MS and he's having an MS attack at the moment and you know, frankly if someone had an eye infection and an eye patch they'd probably be off screen we wouldn't let them, we wouldn't let them go on and so you can't preface each appearance to say this is Ben, this is what he's got I mean, and, and then you have to do it again you know, in a few <laughs> months time, remember Ben, he's the one but, with MS. But I mean to be honest, at the beginning we didn't tell anyone really that I had MS, we didn't talk about it, it's only only been more recently that we've been more comfortable with sort of effect outing myself as a disabled person but you know it, it says it somewhere on the channel 4 news website and i occasionally blog about it but it's it's unless you're going to have a strap line which says by the way he's not mad he's disabled under underneath my name when it appears there's really very little else you can do other than hope that, that viewers are, are forgiving when when you might be waving around or stuttering Benjamin Cohen there, and we've linked to an article he wrote uh, for Comment is Free about the subject at guardian.co.uk slash media talk. Uh, John, uh, qu- a quick word for you about this. Do you think it's... Uh, I mean, I suppose Channel 4 would have been roundly criticised if they had not, in their coverage of the, of the Paralympics, included people with, with disabilities as presenters. So it's a good way of... But the trouble is, is that there aren't any prominent sports presenters who have disabilities, so maybe this is a good way of, of bringing on new talent. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a, a fantastic idea, and exactly what exactly what Channel Four should be doing. I think my when you said Alex Reed, initially, there my my reaction was to sort of you know get, get sniffy about it, but then I think well, if it gets if it gets some viewers in, at least it's a, a hook to bring them into a, to a wider, more important uh, you know purpose at the end of the day. So yeah, so yeah. well done, exactly what Channel Four should do. Hmm. Okay, thank you very much, uh, both of you. Uh, the end of the show is nigh, but before we leave, Josh and John, uh, tell us uh, what you've learned from this week in the media. Josh, what what's your the, startling new fact that you found out this week well the, the perils of wikipedia using wikipedia were brought home uh by the independent i think it was a contributor from uh, afp to the independent who uh when writing an article on big chill festival found that wikipedia told him it was called wanky balls festival oh no uh, which duly appeared in in print in the news and uh, all around the world wide web how did that get yeah, in use with caution how did that get in use wikipedia with caution um john what have you been up to well apart from the the perils of uh ringing the wrong gary when you get locked out of your house but uh i'm i'm slightly cut off from the world of uh 
of, of linear media. Having I'm, I'm playing my way through all seven series of The West Wing, so I'm I'm, I'm just just got halfway through uh, in about a month. So uh, it's, a, it's a it's a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, what's your, what's been your favourite moment? My take on it so far. Well, I thought it dipped in sort of the second. Uh, did it dip in the second series? But um, yeah, no, you're right. It was. It took a while to get get going. Uh, yeah, that's right. But it's um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, I, I think Rob Lowe might just have left, which makes me a bit sad. Yeah, it, it, it did. Uh, that, that was that that was the fine the finest moment actually. That series that was what yeah. series four I think. Uh, yeah. That's it. I'm peaking, am I? Yeah, you're definitely at right peak. downhill from there. Downhill from there. Uh, you'll find links to the best bits that we've discussed at guardian.co.uk/slash/media-talk. That was uh, John Plunkett, and with him was Josh Halliday. Search us out too on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Media Talk is uh, produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. Goodbye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.